Hey now, it's another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo. I'm the godfather of growth. I'm here with Nicola Gellarmino. Nicola, how are you? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So there was, uh, there was a thing in the news today that I was a little surprised. I guess somebody fell overboard on a cruise ship, which will happen. I mean, it happens at least twice every cruise season. And because we're here in Florida, we get these stories. But there was an accompanying story to that, which was how to survive if you fall off a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. So for me, I'm thinking to myself, that is like, that's not my worst fear. That's not my worst nightmare, but it's right up there falling off a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. And this guy fell off like in the middle of the night. I don't even like I don't even walk near the edge when I'm when I'm on like a whether it's a big ship or or a small boat, even if it's close to the water, because I have a thing about heights anyway. What is what is your biggest fear? Like, what are you most concerned about? Biggest fear drowning is up there. Uh, like drowning, so like swimming in the ocean and drowning or like falling into a storm drain. And I, mean, I can think of a million ways to drown, like, you know, caught in the rip current drowning. I would say something more like caught in the rip current. My swimming skills are good, but they're not good enough for getting for falling off a cruise ship and <laughs> trying to survive in treacherous waters where there very well may be sharks, fish, other unknowns to stumble upon. Well, the first thing I think is the fall. I think you got to I think you got to worry about because you're if you're falling off one of the day, if you're falling off a balcony, you could be I mean, especially if you have a really crappy cabin, you could be pretty close to the water. But then again, if you had a balcony, it wouldn't be a crappy cabin. Right. So if you're up on the deck and you fall off, you're probably falling 10 stories. So the 10 story drop onto water that's hard as concrete, probably a problem. That's the first thing you'd have to survive. And then you have like the propeller and the wake from the boat. And then I think I would be concerned about like sharks and, and other, uh, and other stuff. You know, my, my biggest issue I think is, uh, is, is heights. I can't, I absolutely cannot stand being up high, especially like in an open space. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, a million years ago, I went to cognitive behavioral therapy. Are you, are you familiar with this? I am not. <laughs> All right. So basically it's it's a, like a legitimate therapeutic method where they condition you. They try to condition you to basically desensitize you to whatever you're afraid of. Right. So I sign up for cognitive behavioral therapy to overcome my fear of heights because I was in grad school and it's an old building on the campus of Columbia University, no elevators, and it's on the sixth floor. And I have to walk upstairs with hundreds of other students who are like half my age and the staircase is completely open and you're carrying books and I couldn't do it. Like, so the first week of class, I missed, I, I, I missed the class because I couldn't get up the stairs. So I sign up with this therapist and I'm like, listen, we got to get me over this. in like, I got seven days until the next class. You got to get me past this. So he's like, I got it. This is what we're going to do. And we do these exercises in the office and it seems pretty good. I mean, it seems like, you know, it seems like it makes sense. And he explains it to me. He's like, I cured a woman of her fear of cats. And what we did was she visualized being with a cat. And then we brought in kittens at first and she played with the kittens and we did these breathing techniques and it was great. And then we brought in bigger cats. And in a week we had her over her fear of cats. I'm like, sounds great to me. So the second session, we're in his office, and his office is in a high-rise building, 
and we do half a session in the office. We walk down a flight of stairs and I'm like, all right, that was cool. I can deal with that. The third session, he's like, meet me on the east side and he gives me an address and it's like on the East River. So I'm like, all right, so now we're going to really put this to the test. So there's a there's an overpass. I think it's like 96th Street and East River Drive that walks uh, that walks you over the FDR to get to uh, this path that walks along the East River. And it's high. And we're standing at the top of the steps and he's like, OK, so we do the exercises and he goes, walk down the steps. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, we've had two sessions. I'm not ready yet. And he stands there and he goes, walk down the steps. I'm like, holy shit. So did so I you walk down, down the stairs steps. or run down the stairs in response to that? I was cured. <laughs> Worked out just fine. Really? You had no problems after that? I was scared to death. I thought the guy was going to throw me down a flight of steps. I did. I did have problems. I had problems with him. I didn't have problems with the stairs. <laughs> I think that's more shock therapy than behavior therapy. Yeah. So we had a little conversation about where he got his license after that <laughs> because it was a bit of a problem. So in terms of uh, in terms of biggest fears, I think I think that would be it. What about speaking? How do you feel about speaking in front of people? Do you have a, a lot of people have a fear have a fear of public speaking? That is a one of the top fears of most people is public speaking. I would say that was a, a a bit of a fear that might be a little bit stronger for me when I was younger. But once you do it a few times, you get really comfortable. And I think for some of us, you realize that there's a little bit of adrenaline that maybe recognizes fear initially. But when you get in front of that audience, you sort of find your your footing and you really enjoy it. And so for me, I'm one of those people. I will be nervous before a presentation, but the moment you get the first sentence out, I really like that space. I'm very comfortable in that space. And I think I have to be, especially when I'm presenting in court. Oftentimes you go to court, you have a whole audience. Well, pre-pandemic, you could show up and you have an entire gallery of other lawyers waiting to be called. And now you have the Zoom gallery. And so it's it's not much different than, you know, being a public and speaking, but you have an audience and I think you some of us find comfort in that space. So when you're when you're speaking like so in that in that set in that setting, right, you're you're on Zoom and it's uh, what is it like? Mo what What is what is it where there are other lawyers? Is it just like a calendar call where you have to speak and there are other lawyers watching? There wouldn't be a like a legitimate hearing where you'd have other lawyers would, there would actually are legitimate hearings. So where you will see a lot of lawyers in the gallery that you can have status conferences, you can have five minute motion calendar, and you can have, you know, a blending between two calendars where folks are coming, coming in for their special sets at a later time, but now they're in the gallery because the time has gone into, you know, where the, their starting point is for their hearings. But most right. often it's a, it's a quick calendar where you'll see that. So they're all, I'm assuming they're all on mute and they're like, you know, drinking their coffee and looking for their car keys and stuff. Like, is that like, are their cameras on or are they like, how does that work? It's mixed. Some folks really? have their cameras on, some do not. You hope everyone remains quiet, but there's almost always a fumble or two on those larger calendars with someone fumbling around making noise. And who's managing that? The clerk? The clerk is managing Zoom? Like like muting people and people popping in, letting them in from the waiting room? Who manages that? Yes, yes. There are staff that helps the judge to do those things. Wow. Okay. What happens to you when 
uh, something comes up, somebody asks a question, like, because you, I'm, I'm imagining this, you're making an argument, you're speaking from notes. What happens to you when, um, you know, somebody asks you a question and you have the, you have to think on the fly. Have you ever, have you ever frozen up? No, I, okay. I don't remember freezing up. It very well could have happened. You have to be quick on your feet in court. You can have a pause and sometimes you may need that pause to come up with a good response, but you can't just go quiet and not see anything. Although I, I do think most judges will, will help you out if they realize you're, you're frozen. They'll often try to give you a softball or follow-up thinking maybe that will you know, provide, provide the lawyer what they need to come up with a response. Well, and I'm thinking too, like, so with me, when when something like that happens, if I'm in front of a client, I probably would just say, I don't know, I'll get back to you. But a lot of times if you're if you're taking Q&A from the audience, you, you know, you you vamp, you BS to uh, to stall for time until you come up with a with an answer that's going to be acceptable. You can't do that because you there's an issue if you don't tell the truth in court. Right. Absolutely. There's, so what, there's not much vamping you can do if you are in a hearing and you have been asked a question. Can you, you imagine? So, Your Honor, answer, you better just say, Your Honor, I don't know the answer to that question, but let me. If you need to get back to the court, then you say, I will get back to the court on that. Point. Your Honor, you got plans for the weekend? What are you doing? Anybody <laughs> got a birthday in your family? You got people coming in from out of town? What's going on, Your Honor? <laughs> it doesn't matter who is on the other side of that bench. That is not going to be a good response that you will receive for that. That's a great color on you, Your Honor. You know, I was just thinking, where did you get that jacket? I would love one just like that. <laughs> oh, this is the Inside BS Show. We're here every week. You can find us right here wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you back here next week. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and she's... Nicola Gellarmino. Great job. We'll see you next week. <laughs>